Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. It's five miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. I've never seen so many trees in my life. As W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. 54 degrees on a slightly overcast day. Weatherman said rain. You get paid that kind of money for being wrong 60% of the time. It'd be working. Mileage is 79,345, gauges on reserve, riding on fumes here. I gotta tank up when I get into town. Remind me to tell you how much that is. Lunch was uh, $6.31 at the Lamplighter Inn. That's on Highway 2 near Lewis Fork. That was a uh, tuna fish sandwich on whole wheat, slice of cherry pie, and a cup of coffee. Damn good food. Diane, if you ever get up this way, that cherry pie is worth a stop. Okay. Looks like I'll be meeting up with the uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Shouldn't be too hard to remember that. We'll be at the Calhoun Memorial Hospital. Guess we're going to go up to intensive care and take a look at that girl that crawled down the railroad tracks off the mountain. When we're finished here, I'll be checking into a motel. I'm sure the sheriff will be able to recommend a clean place, reasonably priced. That's what I need. A clean place, reasonably priced. Oh, Diane, I almost forgot. Got to find out what kind of trees these are. They're really something. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. Uh, it is halfway to Halloween, and you don't think I could just let you guys hang uh, without a new episode for your halfway is Halloween, do you? Uh, it's been quite a while, but I'm here. We're going to do this thing. Uh, I got to check out uh, Get Out, along with Raw, which was very intense, and I got a bunch of more stuff to talk about. Uh, announced the giveaways that we did from the previous couple months ago. And, of course, uh, a lot of new Twin Peaks news, because it's coming out this month, May! We're getting new Twin Peaks! So, in honor of that, here is uh, the Messer Chups with Twin Peaks Twist. Thank you. 
I don't remember when I heard the first rumor. David Lynch and Mark Frost called me and they said, there's something happening here. I figured something was up. He said, have you heard the rumors about Twin Peaks? And I said, I actually have. He said, they're all true. I didn't faint, but I did experience the strangest feeling. There was nothing like it. Revisiting all this territory, there's a freshness to it. There's a lightness to it. It's just been a beautiful thing getting to see everybody, and it's almost as if no time had passed. It is such a group process. You feel like you're part of a team, but something bigger than that. It's spontaneous, it's in the moment, and it's the best kind of acting. The journey that the characters go on is remarkable. The show's very dynamic and has a lot of facets. In my opinion, it, it discovers in a poetic way the whole human experience. It's a big cast, it's a big story, big things happen. There are so many surprises in the show. Prepare to be a little out of your comfort zone in the best possible way. We knew it was gonna be something special. We just didn't know in what form or how. There's nothing I can say to describe it. It's been absolutely wonderful. I cannot wait to re-enter the world of Twin Peaks. It's been quite a while. Um, after a fire walk with me, uh, that was kind of it for everything that we got in t- the Twin Peaks uh, universe. Um, you know, it's kind of weird to say universe uh, with a show that kind of defied the whole uh, film and movie genre on television. It took a lot of what was big and what was popular about films and flipped television on its head and slowed things down and really... Um, took its time telling a story even if the story was a tad uh, lynchy, uh, convoluted made you a, a bit confused about this and that, but it made you excited for the next episode. Maybe those questions will be answered. Um, and, you know, things did get wrapped up pretty well in the two seasons of Twin Peaks. Um, but, of course, a lot more questions came about uh, that kind of got resolved in uh, Firewalk With Me, um, the film. Uh, if you have a Showtime account, or if your Amazon um, account is linked to Showtime, you can watch the two seasons of Twin Peaks on there, along with the film uh, Firewalk With Me, before the new season uh, airs this month on Showtime. Uh, Yeah, we get Laura Palmer uh, back, Dale Cooper, um, Leland Palmer, that crazy SOB, uh, and of course, Lucy. Oh, sweet, sweet Lucy. So let's take a trip away from the mountains and down the hill to the little countryside for a little film that I'm sure you all are very familiar with now called Get Out. I didn't want to tell you. What? I got hypnotized last night. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. Oh, yo, yo, yeah, yeah, to quit smoking, but it's Rose's mom's and psychiatrist, so. Bruh, I don't care if the bitches are Yana Von Zant, okay? She can't fix my motherfucking life. You ain't getting in my head. I know she called me off guard. Right? But it's cool because I'm cured. It worked. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Look, they could have made you do all types of stupid shit. They have you fucking barking like a dog. Flying around like you're a fucking pigeon. Looking ridiculous, okay? Or, I don't know if you know this, white people love making people sex slaves and shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not a kinky sex family, dog. Look, Jeffrey Dahmer was eating the shit out of niggas' heads, okay? 
But that was after he fucked the heads. Do you think they saw that shit coming? Hell no. Okay. And thanks for that image right there, man. Hey, man, I ain't making this shit up. I saw on A&D, man. It's real life. Yo, and it's the black people out here, too. It's like all in Mr. Movement. Because <laughs> they probably hypnotized. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ooh, damn, let me talk to you about Get Out. Holy crap, man. I love the shit out of this movie. Uh, I had to go see it by myself, uh, which that was totally fine. I did not mind. Um, this movie... Jordan Peele did something really cool with this movie. Uh, you know, he's a huge fan of you know, the horror genre, and you could see it within the movie. Um, you know, he he aspired a lot of stuff from um, um, you know Stanley Kubrick. If you notice, a lot of his shots are all very uh, asymmetrical. Um, he's you know a lot of a lot of Stepford Wives was put into this movie. Um, you, you can find a little bits of these um, mixed pieces throughout the film. Uh, the suspense is greatly there uh you know with you know dealing with race you know being an african male around this you know common white family and i don't know if you know this but jordan peele uh, is married to a white woman and has kids so you can tell that he kind of put a lot of himself into this movie apparently he started writing the movie uh and then midway through was like i can't you know he just wanted to write it and give it off to a director and realized i can't do that like i'm the only one that can tell this story and i'm really happy he did um we see some stuff that's almost like the further from Insidious, you know, going deeper and deeper into this trance state. Um, and I want to give too much away about the story, but there are some fun cameos and uh, great actors and actresses uh, that show up in this film. And, um, they, you know, even the parents who you expect to be, all right, these are to be the villains of the film. They, they come off so genuine and so so friendly and, and normal uh, that it's, it's really hard to believe that these are the ones that will bring our, our main character into in total insanity. Oh, and did I mention uh, Caleb Landry Jones is in this? The kid from The Last Exorcism, little redhead kid that plays Banshee in X Men First Class. Fucking hate that kid. But goddamn, does he play a great role to hate in this movie? Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! Uh, if you guys recall, this time last year, Tim Anderson was on the show talking about the films that he saw um, at TIFF. And one of those films was a French film called Raw. And I was lucky enough to see this film uh, just last week at uh, the film festival here uh, in Florida at the Enzian. And Tim invited me out to, to check it out with my old bloody disgusting um, podcast mates, uh, David Harley and, of course, Tim Anderson. And uh, we got the best seats in the house. And boy, let me tell you, that movie is a fun the film follows a young student named Justine who is going into veterinary school for the first time with her sister, who's been there for the past year. Her parents sent her out to go, and she's never eaten meat in her entire life, so she likes helping out animals. Um, though the school has a very strong way of hazing their students, uh, it's very absurd, very insane uh, way they do it. Uh, but one of the introductions to getting into the school is feeding a rabbit kidney uh, to each student. Obviously, whenever the sister tries to give her other sister the kidney, she won't do it. Even though she knows she's vegetarian, she's like, don't you want to be part of this, this camaraderie? Uh, you know, think, that's when things start to happen. She has meat for the first time and starts feeling things uh, kind of in a cannibal way. Uh, I think of this a lot like Ginger Snaps, but French. Uh, so if you like Ginger Snaps, you'll definitely dig this movie. I don't want to give you guys too much more information about it, but things get really intense really quick for a grounded horror film. So definitely check it out raw if you have not seen it. 
So let's look at horror that we can obtain in our households or put it on a hard drive or put it on a little thumb drive and put it in our pockets. We can take horror with us anywhere we want these days to create our own little happy Halloween Final Fantasy in June, July, middle of the month, because that's what we do. We're fucking creepy. Okay, uh, so just this last month, uh, Split came out, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie uh, that could have made or broke his career. Uh, after Avatar The Last Airbender came out, I'm pretty sure that that uh, almost did that for him in Hollywood. So he went back to his roots, went back to horror, and uh, pulled off an amazing job. Uh, maybe not with just his directing, but with just James McAvoy's acting. Uh, people are, are protesting, not protesting, just signing petitions to get this guy to get an Academy Award because he did such a great job uh, splitting all his different personalities one after the other, seamlessly going into another one. Uh, so, he, yeah, I, I loved his performance in this. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I really enjoyed that he, when he played a little child, he did this little child walk while keeping his ass low to the ground and his feet. It, you just you have to see it to experience it. Um, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, who was in uh, The Witch, or The Witch, if you want, um, uh, last year, uh, that you know she did a great job playing the uh, heroine of the film. Um, uh, yeah, just all around a great movie, uh, really good, and it ties into another M. Night Shyamalan film. And I won't say what it is, unless you already know. Uh, but definitely check it out. And the third movie of that series got just announced. Uh, that's going to be called Glass. So if that gives you a hint of what this might tie into. Moving on to what's coming out this month. Um, the Autopsy of Jane Doe comes out May 2nd exclusively to Walmart. Yeah, I never thought I'd see the day that the, one of the best horror movies I've seen all year comes out exclusively to Walmart. Um, but yes, the autopsy of Jane Doe is fantastic. It stars Emile Hirsch and Brian Cox as uh, just two guys that open up bodies and uh, you know their corners basically, and then they they get a Jane Doe in, and uh, it's kind of kind of terrifying. It, basically, they they find this Jane Doe uh, inside a building, uh, underground, half buried underground uh, in the basement, and the two people that were inside the house were brutally murdered but all the doors were locked, so it was almost like they were trying to get out. Uh, but this young girl has been buried downstairs, they don't know why, and just weird things happen. It seems like one of those movies that uh, is a slow burn, and uh, you're just going to be, you know, it's a lot of dialogue within one room, and it's not. It definitely opens up, so give it time. I highly recommend this movie. Uh, a movie I don't highly recommend, Rings, which also comes out May 2nd. That movie was a stinker. I really fucking hated this movie so much. I kept looking at my phone, uh, and that's something I never do when I watch a movie. I always put my phone away. I always give my my 100% attention to films, and Rings did not do that for me. I was trying to find everything else to do while watching that movie. It was just such a slog. Um, yeah, May 2nd, maybe get that. Fear, Inc., which kind of reminded me a lot of the Belko experiment, also comes out May 2nd. Uh, that's your corporate horror film. Um, yeah. Uh, the Black Room, that's Lynn Shea's new film. She's becoming the new, like, uh, Zelda Rubenstein of horror films. Uh, the new medium, if you will. Uh, that comes out May 9th. Uh, the Greasy Strangler, which I've heard nothing but great things and have not seen it yet, but believe you me, this next episode I'll be reviewing it. That comes out May 9th. Uh, the all-female uh, horror genre, or horror-directed film, uh, XX, comes out May 23rd. Uh, my friend Yovanko worked on one of the films, 
definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Think about uh, VHS, but for female directors. Uh, and of course, Alien Covenant comes out the theaters May 19th. Can't forget Alien Covenant. Man, does that movie look so good. Please, God, be better than Prometheus. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't think Prometheus was a bad film at all. Uh, I just think it was a little slow and it looked beautiful, but you know, a lot, we could have got a lot, a little bit more uh, grounded alien story in that. But I'm hoping that this—that's what this one is. This this covenant basically bridges the gap between Prometheus and Alien. Uh, but it looks like we get our new Ripley character. If you go online, there's a 10-minute uh, short that kind of gets you introduced to the cast and crew um, of this film, and uh, we find out it's all it's all couples that are going in. Um, also found out that uh, uh, James Franco is the pilot of the ship, which is kind of weird, but whatever. I'm, I'm stoked for it. I can't wait. I love the Alien movies. Um, of course, Twin Peaks comes out May 21st on Showtime. Definitely check that out. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. And as well, uh, Get Out is coming out to Blu-ray and DVD and Digital Man and everything else under the sun on May 23rd. Um, so we get a little, little bit of horror for the summer, which is, which is nice. It's kind of barren a lot of the times. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And, of course, we're going to get a lot more in June, so I can't wait uh, to read those off to you guys. Keeping with the surf theme we got going here for the summer, uh, this is Bustin' Surfboards from the Pulp Fiction soundtrack.
I don't know if some of you know about this, but the Friday the 13th game is being released May 26th. That's right, this month we are getting the Friday the 13th game, which involves Tom Savini, Kane Hodder, uh, just some of the, the greats that have made Friday the 13th so awesome. Um, I, I cannot wait. I've been a backer of this since it was announced. I got exclusive skins. It'll be on PC. Please add me if you want to play. That'll be my life very soon. Um, to give you guys more of that, here's Adam Sessler uh, with Kane Hodder and um, Randy Greenback about the game. So, gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind first introducing yourself and explaining what your role is in Friday the 13th, the game. All right. My name's Randy Greenback. I've been in the game. Oh. <laughs> just, to, just to break the ice a little yeah. bit. Sorry, go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. That's how I felt. <laughs> I get a little taste. Uh. Thank you. I'm thank not you. right in that, the head. That's, that's, that's an honor. Uh, my name is Kane Hodder. I played Jason in Friday the 13th, parts 7, 8, 9, and Jason X. Uh, I will be doing the motion capture for Jason in this game. Obviously, your primary career was one as a, as, as a stunt person, but I don't think it's fair to think that what you did as Jason was just what you were normally doing with, with stunts. I mean, there really was acting with your body that entire time. You may not have had a speaking role, but the sense of malevolence and strength and, you know, just impressive unpleasantness <laughs> really is asking of you something that's just akin to, to, to any other form of acting. Uh, really, and even more difficult in some ways because you ask any actor what are the two main tools you use to be intimidating, and it's your facial expressions and your voice. Now take those both away and play a character like Jason and still look intimidating, huge challenge. And so often people approach it trying too hard. That's, that's how I, I term it. It looks like they're acting to me. It doesn't look natural. So it's such a fine line to look super intimidating and just like you're about to do something without making it look like you're trying to do that. He's the team's you know, favorite Jason, hands down, but he's also the fan favorite, right? Everywhere you go, I mean, you read online, you know, watch any horror documentary or, or go to a horror convention, and it's, 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 it's Kane, right? So there was no doubt who we had to go with for our motion capture, because it's so important that the movements there, I mean, that brooding motion, his heavy breathing, like the whole nine is all part of the, the aesthetics, and it's become part of the franchise, and it's become part of the, the, you know, popular culture's memory of Jason, right? So to have that represented in the game by the guy that actually did it and actually achieved all those results is amazing. So it's like, it was, it was the easiest choice ever. I mean, I assume it must be a pleasure for you to be able to, in, 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 in digital form, kind of go back in and kind of portray that character. Oh. And I think in a lot of various ways, because you have to come, you know, you're gonna have to act out all the various kills, and sure. among many other things. Right, and, and you know, people know that I wasn't ready to hang the hockey mask up when I was replaced, so this feels really good to get back into this character. It's the most enjoyable character that I ever played, and, and I just loved the fact that it was a challenge, but also so much fun. And I, I just embraced the, the chance to do it again. You know, I always felt it was a huge honor to put that hockey mask on. I always felt that, I always will feel it. 
and uh, I just wanted to do whatever I could to do justice to the character. This is a rather unique use of motion capture. I mean, we see it a lot for games with really elaborate cutscenes, where there is you know, more formal acting that's going on. Or we might see some just, just for the animations of fairly non-memorable, at least aesthetically, characters in the Call of Duty game or something else like mm -hmm. this. But this is a multiplayer game where this character is there throughout the entire session and is really the, the, all the, the emotion of the, of the game playing session is coming from the fear coming out right. of it. That's, that, that, that sounds like a lot on you guys. <laughs> I mean, he, Jason is the driving force of the game, every match. He is the dispersal agent. Like if counselors are getting together and they're trying to team up and they're trying to, to, to throw Jason off, like Jason gets in there, breaks up the plan, everybody goes running and everything is crazy. But you have to have that intimidation and you have to be able to instill that fear and you have to be able to bring that through digitally and being able to go into a mocap studio knowing that the, guys already, the guy who's, who knows how to do it best is going to be there getting these moves recorded and getting our data set and nice clean takes. Like he knows what he's doing and, and he's able to get in there and bring in stuntmen so that he can actually rough them up a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. You got, you got to sell it, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always said any of the films that I did as Jason, I would always warn the actors and they always thought it was kind of a joke, but I was very serious saying, when it comes time for your death, it's not gonna be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be a little rough. I'm not going to hurt you, but it's going to be a little rougher than you expect. And there, sometimes they were quite uh, tentative about it, but then when they saw the final products, oh, I'm so glad you did it like that because it looks so much better. So, you know, another fine line to walk. Be, <laughs> be rough with people, but not injure them. Now, an interesting aspect of sort of portraying Jason in the game is you don't have the benefit of editing and sort of camera shots. So unless the player has somehow gotten to a very odd position, you don't get the benefit of a close-up just on Jason and the hockey mask. Mm -hmm. That you need to think about the physicality and the mocap being seen from sort of any perspective oh, yeah. at any time. And obviously it's, it's, it's happening because human beings are, right. are controlling the characters. We have to ensure that this is gonna look good from every angle. And it's, it's an amazing challenge to undertake, but you know, that's why it's so, so important to get the animation right, right? Because you're gonna see the kill as Jason from his point of view. You're gonna see it from the counselor who's actually dying's point of view. You might have other counselors that are looking on in horror as this has happened and this grisly murder has happened right in front of them. And it has to look good from every one of those aspects. Or people who are dead who are just viewing from the lobby, watching what's happening inside the game. Yet another place, right? So, so it is a technological challenge and, and there is a lot of work that goes into it, but we've already been playing around with it and things are already looking good. And, and this, you know, before, before we come out, we have time to make it even better and get the motions in with Jason there and all the feature kills. And it's just gonna be amazing. And think about it, probably within just one day, you'll have probably more hours viewed of you as Jason than all of the films that you did combine, which is Absolutely. kind of really cool. <laughs> right, exactly right. And, and uh, I'm, I'm right now deciding who to bring in to play the, you know, the male victim and the female victim and what things that I think would be interesting to see. Already, I've been given so many ideas by these guys and, you know, as far as different things that Jason should do to people, which is great. But I just think, I, I always liked the hands-on 
kills mm -hmm. as opposed to the super power type. Yeah. You know, the hands-on ones, and, when, and, and especially when you kill someone with something that's not even a weapon, like a sleeping bag. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's pretty creative to, to uh, you know, are we going to do the sleeping bag? Oh, I, I sure hope so. A lot can, of people want, have been asking not, for this. I do not want to be in the sleeping bag. <laughs> And that was not an easy scene, by the way. When we shot that, it was one of the more difficult scenes in Part 7 because I had prosthetic hands, which are foam latex, so you can't get a good grip. It was a nylon sleeping bag so with slid. a 90-pound dummy in it. And trying to look powerful doing that, I was getting frustrated and pissed off that I was losing my balance and stuff. So then I really started whacking it because, you know, I hit it like five times against a tree in each take but they only used the one first hit. But yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an iconic kill. When it's, it's something that's not a weapon, I think that's pretty amazing. What do you think of the idea that many, many people are going to get to experience Kane Hodder playing Jason? So it's, a, it's almost like you're sharing what you got to do now with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. is it creepy? Is it exciting? What does no, that feel like? No, it's not creepy at all. I think it's <laughs> extremely exciting because you know, over the years, fans have always asked me, how, how does it feel? Well, you know what? You're going to get a little taste of how it feels now to be in my shoes doing these things. So I think from a gamer, horror fan standpoint, that's like the best. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and just imagine, like, like Kane's killed a lot of people on film, right? Mm -hmm. Just imagine how many millions of people he's killing now, <laughs> right? That, that counter's going to rise so fast, and hopefully we can, we can track that and let people know how many kills he's made. You know that we have come to the conclusion that I have murdered more people on film than any actor in history. Oh, I didn't realize that. Between Friday the 13th I, I, I and Hatchet. murder, yes, because you got the four Friday movies, the three Hatchet movies. I played BTK. I played Ed Gein. Those are all... Serial killers and one at a time kills. It's like 120 something. Wow! And there's there's nobody that's murdered that one many people. There's there's good guys that have gunned down bad guys. So that's why I specify murder <laughs> one at a time. I don't think there's an actor in history that has well, done that. That's a fascinating honor. I'm so glad I've gotten to talk yes. to you about it. <laughs> and you experienced yourself yesterday. Yes, I did. How I it feel. feels. <laughs> Back. <laughs> now here's Frankie Stein and his ghouls with Dr. Spook Twist.
I'll give you guys a little uh, insider pro tip. Uh, that is uh, Frankie Stein and his Ghouls. These are uh, fun albums that were released in the uh, the '60s, early '60s. Uh, Shock, terror, fear, uh, ghoul music, and and things like that. And these are a lot of fun. Uh, they were played on, on small record players, on little LPs, and uh, they're they're really hard to find these days if you can find any of the originals. Uh, so I was more than stoked when I discovered Spotify. Uh, a place that had thousands and thousands and thousands of songs and albums at your fingertips. Um, so I immediately subscribed so I could find more of these songs and albums, and I had them at my, dis- my disposal. It was great. And now they've taken them off. If you look up Frankie Stein and his ghouls, it's gone. Uh, I went through a lot of my old vintage Halloween and uh, vintage horror playlists that I've made way, way back in the day, and uh, they've removed a lot of those songs. Um because I guess just people had the access to add as much as they, they wanted, kind of like YouTube in the beginning. And now everything's becoming monetized and has to be very official. And they've taken those songs down. And that really sucks. It it's kind of makes me want to quit my uh, Spotify subscription. Uh, it's not becoming what it would promise to be, you know. Uh, so that's really sad. But I figure I'd let you guys know. Uh, you can listen to all the songs on YouTube. Um, of course, you can uh, go on Pandora or play music as well and listen to those songs. Uh, moving on, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to watch the new Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix, but it is wonderful. Uh, as you guys know, uh, Joel, uh, the original host of the show, uh, headed up a Kickstarter campaign. This is like the Kickstarter show. We talked about Friday the 13th, the game, and that was Kickstarted. Uh, I, I threw money down, and that's becoming a thing. Same thing, Mystery Science Theater. I was super stoked for that show. Uh, I wanted them to make more than just four episodes, so I threw money for that down Now this entire season. Now it's on Netflix, so I'm pretty sure us as fans don't have to throw any more money in. They're going to just keep making those because season 11 is beautiful. Now, I know if you go on Netflix, it's not season 11. It's, it's a new, t- entirely new season, but I see it as season 11. Uh, you know, we get Patton Oswalt and um, Felicia Day as the Mads. Um, a lot of different, uh, you know, celebrity guests show up. Uh, there's a new uh, Servbot and Crow. Uh, they're still really good, though. The jokes are really fast. They don't talk over the dialogue. So if you notice the jokes go a little bit quicker, it's because they want you to experience the movie uh, and then laugh, you know, during the, the slow pauses because, let's face it, in a lot of those old classic films, there's a lot of just pauses and weird uh, interludes. So, it, you know, it's great. The, the jokes are there. You know, of course, they're they're modernized. Uh, so there's a lot of like inside jokes for today as well as then just like mystery science theater 3000 did back when it released uh, there's probably a lot of jokes that go over kids heads when they try to watch the original stuff uh, so you know uh, families can watch this and enjoy it you know it's, it's just a lot of fun um, and they do a really good job of giving you just enough um, Jonah Ray and uh, you know like the, the, the practical gags that they do on the ship as well as uh, you know, bringing you back to the movie. So you never feel like you're too bored with one thing or the other thing. Uh, and we also got Stupid Buddy Studios, the guys that do Robot Chicken and um, uh, what's the uh, Super Mansion. Those guys have done all the stop motion for uh, Mystery Science 3000 and it shows. I love the stop motion in it. Uh, so definitely give it a try if you got a Netflix subscription. Um, that's out right now. Moving right along, uh, we have new Nocturnals coming from writer and artist Dan Brennington. Uh, he's absolutely my favorite artist in the industry today. If you haven't checked out his stuff, 
do so. Uh, he just put out a uh, wax card figure pack of really cool, uh, unique characters that he made in uh, the classic wax uh, card packs he used to get back in the day. Uh, he did that on Kickstarter as well. Really cool stuff. Uh, and now he's finishing up his uh, newest entry into the Nocturnals uh, comic book series, uh, a series that hasn't been revisited, uh, you know, in a long time, almost a decade. Uh, the series started in 1994. Uh, it went through Oni Press to Image Comics, um, and that was with uh, Black Planet, who did uh, from Malibu Comics. And every panel in these comics is an art piece. Dan Branton puts his love and his soul from Halloween into each one of these uh, panels, and it never looks better. With characters like Doc Horror and Halloween Girl and Gunwitch, how can you not fall in love with this series? I guarantee if you just take a look on Google of the characters from the Nocturnals, you will be hooked and want to get everything. There's uh, omnibuses uh, on Amazon that are hardbacks. I think there's two or three of those, uh, including a roleplay book. That he did for characters for uh, mutants and monsters, and uh, but yeah, Sinister Path is the new comic that's coming out this month, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Speaking of comic legends, I'm sad to report that Bernie Wrightson uh, passed away uh, in March. If you don't know, he was one of the co-creators of Swamp Thing. Uh, he also did the adaptation of the novel Frankenstein, which has beautiful panels, uh, almost like Dan Branton's art, where every panel is just uh, just gorgeous, detailed work. Uh, he did some of the best art for horror ever. If you go through uh, Google or Tumblr and just type in his his name, you'll find so much uh, influence. You know, he worked with Stephen King and uh, just a bunch of great creators, and he he really brought the look of horror uh, to comics everywhere. And uh, he will definitely be missed. Listeners of last month's show will know that I had a contest running for the new Phantasm film and the classic Phantasm film, and I have found three winners. You know, after four months of not having a show, uh, I've had time to collect all the emails from you guys and pull some of the best ones. And I have the three right here, and I'm going to read you some of their favorite Phantasm moments. Now, granted, most of these aren't really moments from the movies themselves, as it is what it means to the people that watch the Phantasm films, who watched Angus Scrim and Don Coscarelli's uh, classic masterpieces. Uh, so we're going to go with one of them right now for the classic, the original... Uh, J.J. Abrams' remaster of Don Coscarelli's Phantasm. Uh, that Blu-ray is going out to Joe Vodaline. He writes, My fond memories of Phantasm are very personal to me. When I started high school, I really got into horror films. And my father, who died in 2001, my condolences, always took an active interest in stuff I liked, even though he didn't really like horror films. We watched tons of them on TNT's Monster Vision, which, by the way, was a fantastic show hosted by Joe Bob Briggs. If you have a chance, try and dig up some of those old episodes. Uh, I rented Phantasm for the first time, and for some reason, he really enjoyed it. So we watched part two, and couldn't wait to see what happened next. It wouldn't be for a long time that we finally saw it. I could never find a copy back then until it played on Monster Vision. And it was just in time because part four was just around the corner. So we had now seen the entire series. If he needed me for something, he would yell, BOY! Like the tall man. When Ravenger came out, I was so excited to see it but it was bittersweet since I couldn't watch it with him this time. I watched it alone and teared up at the end. I couldn't share this with him, and we will never see all the cast members together again. So for me, Phantasm is about the experience that makes me think back to good memories with my dad. Joe, that touched my heart. If you know a way to my heart, that's it's, it's a good story. <laughs> so you definitely win that copy. Moving on, uh, Anthony King wins a copy of Phantasm Ravager on Blu-ray. He writes... Hey, Keenan, 
I actually saw Phantasm 2 for my first Phantasm movie. After that, I knew I needed to see the rest and discovered that as creepy as they are, they give me a weird comforting feeling. I think it's from the relationship of Reggie, Jody, and Mike. Anyways, great new episode. Keep it up, brother. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's what's really great about the Phantasm movies, that it gives this, this like, you know, the, the score on top of uh, Don's directing and the, the, the brotherly love uh, kinship that the, the three characters have. It gives you this sense of home um, while, you know, you know, looking on to just, you know, pure horror from the outside. And I really like that about Ravager. So congratulations, Anthony. And my last copy of Phantasm Ravager is going out to Robbie Knopf. Uh, he writes in, Hey, horror guy. I'm honestly new to the Phantasm franchise. I was finally able to watch the first two last year and had a blast with them. I've been trying to hunt down copies three and five, but then heard about the box set coming out soon. So I think I'll wait for that. I don't really have a cool story to share, but figured I could write down an email anyway. As fellow horror Halloween fan, I really enjoy your show, and thanks for taking the time to put it up. Your show, among others, I found inspired me to start my own podcast uh, with some friends of mine called Straight Chilling. Stay spooky and R.I.P. Angus Scrim. Thank you, man. I appreciate that I got you into podcasting. Uh, You know, it's something I've been doing for about, uh, God, maybe 12 years now? Yeah, I can't believe podcasts have been around for 12 years. Um, but yeah, it's something I've been doing from the beginning before people even knew what podcasting was. I still think people today don't really know what podcasting is, but it's awesome that you're starting podcasts and I've gotten a few emails, uh, about other people saying that I've inspired them to start their own shows and you should spread the love, spread whatever you're really, truly into. And, uh, you know, the people will come, you know, there's, there's little niche things that, that people really enjoy that just aren't blown out there constantly 24 seven on Twitter and everything else. So, you know, podcast is a place where you can chill for a full hour and just relax and enjoy somebody else that, that gets it, you know. So congratulations to the winners. I'll have all those out. Uh, I want to thank um, WellGo USA for sending us these Blu-rays to give out for the show. Uh, I'm going to try and have some more giveaways uh, very, very soon, um, which will probably come out in uh, next month's show. Uh, I also want to let you guys know that if I don't do a show every single month, it's not because I'm lazy and I'm just not doing them. <laughs> Believe me, I, I would love to just let these things happen like every single day or maybe have a podcast a week. Uh, it's just that I don't want to put out really crappy news. I want to make sure that I have the best and most informable news to give out to you guys. And so I collect it. I collect all the stuff that I think is really interesting and I put down and then I try to give you a jam-packed show. So that is that. Just a few things I'd like to touch on uh, before getting out of here uh, is, I don't know if you've guys seen a new film from the creators of Rings and Grudge called Polaroid, but it is, uh, it's basically the Goosebumps episode or book of uh, Say Cheese and Die, or the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode of uh, The Haunted Camera. So... It's a story, a premise that's been done before, you know, the old tale that a photograph can capture your soul and capture you. It's that whole thing. Uh, I feel like they're just cashing in before people forget what Polaroid is. So that kind of looks a tad cheesy. Um, And uh, Walking Dead just ended. Uh, A little bit of a lackluster ending. Wanting us just to to be there for for next season. You know, they got to grab us for that new... That new season. Um, I still think it's a decent show. Uh, not as bad as Fear the Walking Dead. Although I'm giving Fear the Walking Dead a chance for its next season uh, this summer. Because honestly, the ratings haven't been too well for Fear the Walking Dead. And I feel like 
they're going to go balls to the wall with the season. If this is the last season and no one's watching, they're going to put in their entire makeup budget and gore factor into this season. And hopefully we get something really interesting and really cool. So I'm still going to stay aboard uh, for this last season and cross my fingers. But yeah, uh, so as for Negan and Rick and Carl and the rest of them, uh, hopefully this brings things closer to an end and, uh, you know, we get to, to move into the territory where the comic books are currently, uh, which is it's very intense right now. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can't really spoil stuff cause it kind of might transcend into the show a little bit. Uh, but I will say Negan is still there cause you know, they don't due to Keenan's walking dead spoilers. We will take this time to enjoy the sultry sounds of be right back music. We'll be right back. Seriously. Is he still spoiling it? Okay, we're back. Carl with his head chopped off. Like, how do you do that? Ugh. Anyways, that's the show for this month. I'm Horror Guy Keenan. Uh, you can check me out at horror underscore guy uh, on Twitter. And I'm also on the Facebook. You can check out the Everyday's Halloween pages uh, there. Uh, Everyday's Halloween is on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun jazz. So, so add me all there. But uh, Horror Guy is where I mainly post on Twitter. So uh, follow me there. A lot of news, a lot of fun stuff coming out from those outlets. Um, so I'm going to leave you guys the little ghastly ones. Uh, they're quick songs, so I'm going to give you three of them. Uh, I'm going to start off with Servant Spooks. So you guys have a good one, and stay scary. Calm down, darling. Calm down. You're imagining things. It's not my imagination. This is all real. So dead and ugly.